Welcome to This is Type 1, real life type 1 diabetes with your hosts, Colleen and Jesse. I'm Colleen Mitchell, and I've had type 1 diabetes for 25 years. I'm a life coach, author, and speaker. I also work full-time as a process analyst in the power industry. I'm passionate about type 1 diabetes education and showing others that this disease doesn't define me. I'm Jessie Tuggy, and I've had diabetes for nine years. I love hiking and painting. I'm looking forward to working as an engineer after I get my degree in college. My diagnosis has inspired me to take control of my life and my future, to learn everything I can about type 1 diabetes. Each week on the show, we'll talk about real life with type 1 diabetes, bring on cool people with connections to type 1, and above all, encourage you to understand that this disease doesn't have to hold you back. This isn't medical advice. This is life with type 1. Welcome to episode 71 of This is Type 1, real life type 1 diabetes with your hosts, Colleen and Jesse. Today, we're continuing the discussion about device manufacturers by talking about the different continuous glucose monitor or CGM manufacturers. But first up, Jesse has a win of the week. Yes, I do, thankfully. So my win this week is that I kind of semi-planned for the perfect time for my sensor to quit and fall off, not fall off, but like stop reading and it would give the alarm for sensor change out. So it was kind of a coincidence, but at the same time, I knew what I was going to be doing for the next hour or so when it gave me the alert, like saying, hey, it's going to fall off in a little while, just be watching it. And I was able to get ready for it and kind of prep and make sure my blood sugar was right on target. So it wasn't a big issue, which is I'm pretty proud of myself, even though it's a small little win. That is pretty cool. I just changed my sensor today and my transmitter was or is within two days of dying, like completely dying. And so I just changed the transmitter because they last for 110 days. Oh, wow. And sometimes they will fail early, but this one didn't. And so I was able to get one last session out of it. So... How does yours work exactly? Do you have like a different change out and then like you have a specific sensor that'll last XYZ days that you just attach to your yeah, body so, patch? Yeah, I'll probably talk about this later on in the episode. But just a, a quick thing is that the sensor itself is the part that goes in the body and then the transmitter snaps in. So the transmitter goes in and out of each sensor until the transmitter dies. But each sensor itself is only 10 days of wear. Okay. I did not know that. The things you learn. So I have a fail this week. And my fail is I had this random unexplained high blood sugar that ended up looking like a hill on my CGM. It was literally straight line and then kind of going up and then a little hill and then a little back down and then straight line. It didn't coincide with any food. And like my set was on its last day. So I changed that in the middle of the high and it took a little bit of extra bolusing to bring it back down. But it's just this random, unexplained high. No reason. So that was annoying. Those just, they kind of happen. All right. What is our diabetes hack this week? Okay. So it's not much of a hack, just like a friendly reminder saying to unhook your pump when you're sleeping. Now, this may seem counterintuitive because you might think, oh, you, you'll wrap your tubing around your torso or whatever. That's never happened to me. And to be honest, it's more uncomfortable for me when I sleep on my pump than it is to detach it and then get slightly woken up to something just pulling on my leg rather than a giant bruise the next day and weeks that follow. So just a friendly reminder, make sure you unhook your pump when you're sleeping. And by to clarify, by unhook, we mean take your pump off of your, your clothing. Don't unhook the tubing from your body. <laughs> oh, please don't do that. I don't want to be responsible for that. No, unclip your pump from your either waistband or bra straps or whatever it is you got, don't unclip it from your site. Right. Yeah. And that's if you wear a clip on your pump. And I don't. I just tuck the thing into my bra. And that's actually where it stays when I sleep is I have I wear a sports bra. And then that'll just kind of tuck into the side and then it stays out of the way. All right. So continuous glucose monitors. Today, we're talking about the major manufacturers. There are three really well-known ones. And those are Medtronic, Dexcom and Abbott. And then there's also one relatively new one we'll talk about called Eversense, and that's made by Sensonics. And I didn't know about this brand until a year ago, so this is kind of exciting. Continuous glucose monitors are devices that you can probably guess continuously monitor your glucose values. They read blood sugars every five minutes, and that's pretty standard across the board for all of the CGMs is that they will give you 
a reading every five minutes or they will take data every five minutes. So the first one that's up is the Medtronic Guardian. And that is Jessie's area of expertise because she is wearing the Medtronic Guardian. So take it away, Jessie. Awesome. And I just want to give a, a quick note. This is like a five out of five for me. Definitely top notch. Works for me specifically. So if you don't like this sensor or you don't like Medtronic or you don't or like you have bad memories from the harpoon, that was the old sensor from like five years ago. So I would say either give it another shot or respectfully, this works for me. It might not work for you. This one so, is not the N-Lite. No, no. So I want to give some clarification. The N-Lite was the one that Medtronic people would call the harpoon because it was about an inch long needle. It went kerthunk more so than your Mio does into your body. And honestly, it was awful and painful and was not very good. But the Medtronic Guardian sensor has come so far, so, so far. I don't even know it's on my body sometimes. Like, I can't feel it going in. It's comfortable. It's easy to wear. And it's about the size of like a half dollar, basically. So it's gotten a lot smaller. It's a lot more comfortable. I would recommend this to anybody who wants to be on a sensor or wants to be introduced to a sensor. And it's pretty easy to work with. Anyways, so this sensor pairs with your 670G Medtronic pump. It was the first sensor to be paired with auto mode, meaning that you don't have to always correct for your blood sugars. And it's got a constantly adjusting basal rate so that it will automatically correct for your low or high blood sugars. In other terms, if your blood sugar goes above a certain point, it'll start giving you more insulin. And then if it gets below a certain point, it'll cut back on the basal rate insulin that you're getting. So some of the pros that come with this sensor is one, you don't need to worry about your blood sugar accuracy at all. Usually when I test and calibrate, it's within a 10 point range. So if my pump says I'm 270 and I test, I'm usually around 275 or 265. So it's usually five to 10 points, give or take. One of the pros is I don't have to worry about my basal rates anymore, about adjusting them because the pump does that automatically and it's always constantly changing. So with auto mode, it'll give an adjustment or a micro bolus, as they like to call it, every five minutes if they don't see an improvement of my blood sugars. So if I'm set my target as 150, I start going up or my pump sees that I could potentially be going upwards a little bit higher, it'll automatically start preemptively correct, giving micro boluses to correct for those blood sugars, even if I didn't eat anything. It keeps me in range 80% of the time. So this is based on my statistics because I do take off my sensor to change it. Sometimes I leave it off for about a week or two. And other times it kicks me out because I wasn't paying as close of attention to my sensor as I should have been. So it will give you a lot of alarms, which is good because it'll keep you on top of your blood sugars and on top of what your pump is telling you. Customer service has never given me a problem and they always, 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 always go the extra mile with me and my family whenever I need it. One time my pump failed, and this is the same customer service that does deal with the Medtronic pumps. My pump failed and they sent me a new one within 24 hours. It actually took about six to get me the pump to my house, but they said it would arrive within the next 24. So they always go the extra mile and, and really try to look after the people that subscribe to their products. So the sensor itself is about the size of a quarter or a half dollar. It's really easy to move around. I just mainly put it on my stomach, but it definitely goes with the shape of your body rather than being so bulky or like so projected so it, from your body, I guess you'd so say. So it kind of flexes with your body? A little bit. It, it's not flush to the body, but it, it's pretty close to where it's just like, you know, you can tell it's there. But if say you're wearing leggings, you can tell that the site is there on your leggings, but you can also tell like it's flush against the skin, like it's pressed up against the skin and it won't like raise it about an inch or anything. No, it's very smooth to the skin. It'll, it's very easily concealable. Like you won't notice if it's on your stomach or if it's on your thigh or arm or whatever. So those were some of the pros. I do have more. I just couldn't think of any when I was writing this list or while I was talking, to be honest with you. It's been a kind of a long day staring at computers for online schooling at the moment. So, okay. Moving on to some of the cons though, the only 
downside to getting this type of sensor is that the stickers that it comes with the sensor don't really hold on to the skin and they're not very tacky for the duration of the week period that you could be wearing your sensor. So I would always recommend getting like Griff Grip or not even Griff Grip, just some type of adhesive sticker that'll, that is specific for skin. Or like putting down a skin tack before you put the, the sensor on because that, that might help. It would help. Yeah. But just knowing the way that the stickers are for the sensor, I don't think it would help as much as like getting an outside source sticker. So um, you could pair see. like you could pair the skin tack with Griff Grips or an overpatch or something just to basically right. do all you can to keep it on. Right. And I get a 36 pack from Amazon for about $10. Those Honestly, they've lasted me like this entire last six months-ish. I haven't even run out yet, so I don't even have to worry about it. But just I would go ahead and get like a different like over patch to the sensor. And then it doesn't block the sensor at all if you get like a thicker like compressive sticker to it. It works just the same with those type of stickers. I can kind of think of a con right now. What's the con? This sensor only works with Medtronic. That's true. So the sensor does only work with the Medtronic pumps and stuff like that. But the way I see it is like you would want the same products going with the same, you know, you want the same sensor with the same pump. That's just the way that I see it because auto mode is different from basal like or control IQ. Control IQ. Thank you. It's got its own algorithm where, you know, if I was to bring in like a different sensor, a different pump, those algorithms might not match up as even. That's fair. I think, though, it's a big selling point for other sensors if they integrate with multiple pumps. That's why Dexcom and Libre are are trying to integrate with multiple, whereas Medtronic is like, nope, we're just going to integrate with our own and we're not going to let anybody else integrate with our pump. Yeah, I can see that. I don't know. I'm Medtronic kind of gal, I guess you could say. I, I really do like Medtronic. Okay, so one of the a couple of the features and benefits in simply just putting you get the auto mode, it co- connects with the pump very easily. And I've never lost a connection unless I've been in a pool and it will stay connected, meaning that even if you lose a connection for an hour or two hours, it'll always either come back and you'll just have to recalibrate or it'll take like an hour or two just to get reconnected to the pump and the sensor. So what's coming next? This 2021 season for this sensor and the pump is very exciting. So 2021 Medtronic is dropping a new pump and a new sensor that'll come with it that I will hopefully be doing another review on. But so what it'll do is you'll only need to calibrate this new sensor once during the seven days and it'll be active for those full seven days, meaning you don't have to calibrate at night during the morning, just once a week, and you're done. From there, it'll be in full auto mode the entire time, and the sensor cannot kick you out of being auto mode because you've been high too long or low too long. I have a question. How long does the current Guardian last? Six to seven days. This one will last like the full week-long period, so a Monday to Monday, rather than like a Monday to Sunday, basically, is what I kind of read up on and was able to find. Although I couldn't find the name of the sensor... You will know as soon as I do, guys. So just to let you know, I'll probably add that in a later episode. I just definitely couldn't find it like tonight. And of course, everything that has Medtronic stamped on it is FDA approved when it goes to the public. So everything that they're putting out is FDA approved. It's safe and it's, it is very user friendly, I would say. So I'm excited for the new sensor and the new pump that are coming out this 2021 season. And hopefully I can do another review for you guys later. Anyways, so Colleen's got the next one, the Dexcon G6. I believe this is the one that you have, right? Yeah, I'm wearing G6 right now. So the Dexcom is probably the most popular and well-known CGM on the market. It began way back in 2006 with the Dexcom STS. And then they moved to the Dexcom 7 in 2007. And that's actually the first sensor that Adam Brown was on. And I talked to him in episode 55. He used to partner with... He used to be the senior editor for Diatribe, and now he's just a guest contributor. But he's working closely with Tidepool right now, which is pretty awesome. Anyway, the Dexcom 7 was the first CGM approved for seven days of continuous wear, which was a big deal back then. 
I actually got my first Dexcom in February of 2015. So I was a latecomer. And at the time, that was the G4 sensor. Then the G5 launched in September of 2015. And then the G6 was approved in March of 2018. I don't think I upgraded to the G6 until I was able to have Basil IQ. And that happened in late 2018. And honestly, it feels so weird that this happened in 2018 because it feels like I just got this. But it was now like two years ago. It's so weird. So starting off with the pros, the insertion is actually really fast and it's mostly painless. Usually it, it is painless, but this one that I just put in, it had a little bit of a pinch, but it's not really that big of a deal. The applicator looks a lot scarier than it actually is. You press this big orange button and it kind of thunks in, but it doesn't hurt and it just makes a loud noise. So I always find it funny when kids especially see this thing and they're scared to put it on. But then as soon as they do, they're like, oh, that wasn't bad. So the readings or the accuracy for the Dexcom is amazing. It's I frequently checked my sensor and my meter even when I feel like it's off and it's been perfect. So it's kind of interesting how sometimes my feelings don't match what my number is. And then I'll check my meter. I'm like, oh, then I'm actually that number. It's great. You don't need to calibrate the Dexcom G6. It's factory calibrated. So as soon as you get it and you input a code when you start your sensor session, you don't need to calibrate at all unless it's outside of 20% from your meter or it's like super off or you feel differently and then you check your meter and it's off. So the only time you would really calibrate is when it's outside of your meter by 20% and your arrow. So the trend arrow that you get is either flat, straight, horizontal, or slightly angled. So you would never calibrate with a single arrow down or double arrows down or up. That would mess up the algorithm. And I've also heard reports that Dexcom is not replacing sensors that you calibrate within the first 24 hours. So that's probably to cut down on artificial errors later. Because if you... The first day is always kind of wonky with sensors. They might be a little less accurate because it needs that uh, time to kind of warm up to your body. So I'm, I've, I've heard reports that Dexcom is not going to replace sensors that you calibrate in the first 24 hours. So that is something to keep in mind. Another pro is that the FDA has approved the Dexcom to make treatment decisions from the sensor values. So you don't have to check with your meter to make a treatment decision. I think a lot of us anyway, just use the sensor readings as our treatment decision, even if the FDA says not to, because come on, we don't change our lancets. We're not going to listen to what the FDA has to say about like treatment decisions. Also, I think my blood sugar is going down. 95. I might have a roll of Smarties. It's the beauty of Dexcom. You can see your blood sugar. Dexcom's customer support is also really good. I've rarely had a bad experience with them. Although, because I also have Tandem, if I have a sensor problem, I usually have to call Tandem instead because Dexcom has an arrangement with Tandem. So they will usually replace my sensors if there's a problem. The Dexcom G6 is what makes Control IQ work on the Tandem pump. If you don't have a sensor with your Tandem, then you won't be able to have Control IQ. That's just how the closed loop system works. The transmitters last 110 days, so they have a hard cutoff on their batteries, which is kind of upsetting because that means you can't restart your transmitters, even if you can maybe get a sensor to restart. And we'll talk about that in a, in a bit. The transmitters will give you multiple warnings before they die, so you can kind of have an idea of how much time you have left. So I mentioned at the beginning of this is that my transmitter, I just changed it. And so I have another 110 days on this one. But I changed it with two days left on its battery, according to the calculations I have from my calendar. So I put an event in my calendar. Like I started my transmitter and then I put an event like 110 days out saying, this is when my transmitter is going to die. And then I put a couple of other events in there for the in-betweens for like 90 days and 100 days so that I have that kind of cue to know when, like, when will I have to make sure that my sensors are going to line up with that. Another pro is that you can have Tylenol with this. Apparently, it was a longstanding problem with CGMs that Tylenol kind of gave you false high readings. That was a problem, especially with the G4 and the G5. But the G6, they took care of that problem with a special membrane on the adhesive patch or a special membrane on um, 
something in the sensor itself, but that, that problem is gone. So you don't have to worry about taking Tylenol with a G6. And then it also connects with smartwatches. So you have to have a like a smartphone app, I think, that connects to a smartwatch. And you have to have the smartwatch for it to work. I've seen uh, jerry-rigged setups with, I think, like Xdrip. And there's also Night Scout. So those are like basically CGM in the cloud kind of applications that push your data to a smartwatch. I would like to get into Night Scout. But honestly, right now, it is way too complicated for me. And I don't have the time to really commit to figuring that out. It would be nice in the future, but it's not something that I want to do right now. So some of the cons, the G6 insertion device is huge. It's kind of scary looking if you're you know, a kid and you see that huge applicator. But, and it's also not recyclable. So it's kind of a massive waste of plastic. Another con is that the insertion device may not retract after it goes in. And that just means that the sensor and then the device are both stuck or wherever you put it until you like whack it with something heavy, like a spoon or a knife handle, or if you peel it off and send it back to Dexcom and they'll replace those. This is a relatively recent problem that Dexcom is aware of, so they know about it. And I've had it happen once <laughs> and it released after we whacked it with the handle of a heavy pocket knife. I've seen some reports in Facebook groups of entire boxes of sensors doing this, and that is extremely disappointing. But it is something that Dexcom knows about and they will replace it if you call them. Uh, it has a two-hour warm-up. This is kind of standard. If your sensor ever goes out of... Like it loses its signal or it's like trying to figure stuff out, it's lost connection for a minimum of three hours. It has to be out for three hours before you call Dexcom or you call Tandem to have it replaced. And if you hit that three hours and then you have to change your sensor, then you have a two-hour warm-up you're potentially without any data for five hours. And that's kind of annoying. So you have to go back to your, your meter to check it. Because Tandem's control IQ algorithm won't work without the sensor readings, then you're kind of in a double whammy situation where you might end up having too much insulin or too little insulin at the wrong times. So that is kind of a major con. I don't think it happens very often. But when it does, it can be kind of a headache. You also used to be able to restart the Dexcom sensors. And just to be clear, sensors last for 10 days. And I've, before the G6 transmitters that started with a different lettering sequence, you used to be able to restart the sensors. And they fixed that loophole probably to protect themselves because I've noticed on restarts when I did get them to work that they were less accurate and I had to fight them a little bit. So that's probably both a pro and a con depending on where you stand. If you have insurance that covers it really well, then you probably don't need to restart them very often. But like all diabetics, we like stocking up on our supplies. So the more that you can restart your sensors, the more you can restock or uh, stock up. So not being able to restart a sensor is kind of a big deal for some people. I have seen people uh, get the G6 to restart sometimes, but it's really not something that we can do that accurately or that predictably anymore. So it will give you an error now if you try to restart a sensor. I think the most people who get lucky with restarting their sensors are those who use Apple phones because that has a specific workaround. But again, every time I've tried to restart a G6 sensor, it's failed. Or it's given me these really, really inaccurate readings for a few hours before it fails. And that's not something I want to be working with control IQ. Uh, sometimes when you insert it, it may hit a blood vessel. And so blood may well up in the transmitter cavity before you can place the cavity, before you can place the transmitter. This isn't necessarily bad. I just kind of dab up the blood with a tissue and then wipe the contacts with an alcohol swab and then wait for it to dry before popping in the transmitter. And some people have actually reported better accuracy when this happens. So your mileage may vary. And then the last one I want to mention is that if you sleep on it, or if you press against it for a long period of time, it can trigger what's known as a compression low. And that means you have false low readings being sent to your receiver. And this usually happens when I'm sleeping. Surprise, surprise. So I, have, I really have to be kind of cognizant about how I'm positioned when I'm sleeping to minimize those compression lows. And I can usually tell when a number is a compression low versus a real low, and it has to do with how I feel and how fast the low came on. So usually the fix for that is just to roll off the sensor and then it'll correct itself. That's really how you fix a compression low is you stop compressing it. 
So the main features of the Dexcom is that it integrates with the Tandem T-Slim X2 pump. That's kind of its biggest draw for a lot of people. It lasts for 10 days. The sensor itself lasts for 10 days. And then the transmitter lasts for 110. And theoretically, that means that it can support 11 sensors before it dies. But it could also die slower or faster than predicted. But the hard cutoff is 110 days. And then also, if a transmitter fails before it hits 110 days, Dexcom will replace it, which is really nice. I had this actually happen twice recently. And now I have a stockpile of transmitters. So that's rare. But it's also very welcome. <laughs> so what's coming next with the Dexcom is the G7. We are super excited for the G7. Dexcom has kind of hinted at what's coming with that. And they've actually stopped sharing their timeline right now. But that's probably because 2020 has been kind of a dumpster fire. But they're saying that it's going to be extended where? To 14 or 15 days. So that's adding another four or five additional days compared to the current 10-day wear, which is really exciting. And also, it'll still have no finger sticks required, so you won't have to calibrate it. It will be fully disposable. So unlike the Dexcom G6, the G5s, G4s, the G7 will be fully disposable, which means there won't be a separate transmitter and a separate sensor. So you won't have to like unsnap your transmitter every time, and you won't have to change the transmitter every three months. So instead, for the G7, the sensor and the transmitter are going to be integrated. And then once the sensor's run is finished, you get to dispose of the entire unit. So if you're somebody who has accidentally thrown away your transmitter, I know people who have done this. If you're one of those people, the G7 will solve that problem. <laughs> it's also going to be thinner. Dexcom says the G7 will be the thinnest generation of, the, of its CGM sensors yet. But they haven't actually released any like specific detail on the measurements or the design, but I have seen a prototype like concept design and it's about the size of a size and thickness of a quarter. So it's very, very slim, which is really nice. And for reference, the G6 right now is about the size of two quarters stacked on top of each other and then kind of side by side. So it's elongated. Actually, we'll post pictures of all of these in the show notes so you can see what they look like and what their sizes are. And then Dexcom has also talked about integrating software features like dosing assistance, which is actually probably a big deal for a lot of parents with kids with type 1. They want that dosing assistance. Apparently, Dexcom acquired a company called Type 0 Technologies in 2018. So this kind of points to having a specific smart algorithm for, for including dosing support. So that's probably on the horizon with Dexcom as well. And that could actually help with Type 2s. So. Hopefully that'll be... I'm like crossing my fingers for that. I talked to someone actually who works at Dexcom and she said that they're hoping it'll be something you can get over the counter at Walgreens. Like you would be able to walk into a Walgreens and grab a G7 sensor off the shelf. It would be really nice if you could do that. So neither Colleen nor I actually have the Libre sensor or the Eversense. We crowdsourced using Colleen's Facebook basically. The average number that Libre presents to you is an average number of the last 10 to 15 minutes of numbers. The most recent reading is not actually the real time number. So that's kind of, that's a little troublesome. I think that's actually part of the algorithm with the, with the Dexcom too. Because I've seen it on my tandem where you I have a number and I swear it says it's low, like it's 82. And then I look at it five minutes later and it was never read. When I talked to the lady from Dexcom, actually, she said this is part of their algorithm that it goes back and kind of self-corrects based off of the incoming numbers. So it's, it gives you a more accurate like line, like trend line because of the algorithm. So it's kind of interesting that they have disclosed that Libre's is just an average of the last 10 to 15 minutes of numbers. So that's just kind of interesting. That is interesting. I never would have thought. Huh. So the pros for the Libre, it's cheaper than other options. Uh, we didn't mention cost for Medtronic or Dexcom, but ours are both covered by insurance. I pay like 170 something every three months for, for my sensors and like I think 60 every six months for transmitters. I know for the sensor itself, mine is a couple thousand dollars. I, it's not more than five, but the pump itself is over five grand. But with the sensor, I am not going to give exact quotes. So I'm just going to give a range of... I've heard some of them costing up to three thousand before. Um, Pumps so it just or depends. like transmitters, just the sensor itself, like the disposable one that only lasts seven days. No, this the actual like clam sensor, the one that reads and processes the blood sugar and then transmits it. To so the that's pump. the transmitter. Yeah, 
that one costs up to a couple thousand dollars just because it'll last you up to four to five years and you don't need to throw that one away at all. Oh, so you're on the Medtronic. Sorry, sorry, Libre right now. So for the Medtronic, the sensor, the transmitter part, that one is, you don't have to replace that one. So that's the rechargeable one. No. Yeah. I get the rechargeable one. So let me actually grab and I can kind of help describe and show our audience and you a little bit more because there's a disconnect here and I, I want to yeah, I think that, I actually so. understand now, but yeah, go ahead and grab it. This is the transmitter. It is about the size of a half quarter. It is not the patch or the insert site. It doesn't have a needle or tubing in it. It's just the sensor. This just connects and processes blood sugars and connects to the pump just to like back and forth. What is it going to do? You know, telling the pump what to do basically. So that's the reusable transmitter part that you snap onto the sensor. Yes. And this is its charger. The charger is about the size of six half dollars stacked up on each other, but it's like a little ov- oval kind it's of like thing. half an egg. Yeah. It's half an egg. <laughs> it's a little egg. And then you get the inserter that also lasts up to four to five years on the sensor. And then you get the Guardian sensor. It doesn't really have like a name of what it's called, but this is the inserter like sets. So this is the sticker, the needle, the inserter, the patch part of it, I guess you could say. This doesn't include the sensor. The sensor you don't throw away. It'll, it's mine last, I want to say it lasted four to five years, although I don't, I think I had to replace it at one point because I accidentally got submerged in water. Don't do that. Transmitter or sensor. So the transmitter and the sensor are the same thing. So how I've been uh, talking about this is that the transmitter is the thing that you snap onto the sensor to get the readings on your pump or your receiver. And the sensor is the insertable part that you have to peel out and dispose of at the end of like the seven or the 10 days. Okay. So then the little eggshell, like the little half, the little clam as they call it, is both of those combined. This just processes the blood sugar and like the patch just sends like what the blood sugar, how much blood sugar is in your system to the pump, like to the sensor transmitter. So it's just a sticker patch basically. Okay. So the part that gets inserted into your body and thrown away after seven days, that's just like the little needle filament to read to the transmitter. Basically. So I'm going to hold up to the camera so Jesse can see, but I have my sensor that I took off this morning. Uh This is the length of an egg, but it's just the sticker part of the sensor. But on this one, the transmitter and the sensor are separate. They just snap into each other. So because the transmitter is removable and it goes on to each different sensor for the 110 days, how you do it is you actually break the sensor down like that. So you're you're basically breaking the sensor to remove the transmitter. And then this just like the sensor part just gets thrown away and then this I rub alcohol across the yeah the, uh, contacts and then I put it on the new one. Right. So that thing that you just held up the gray thing, that's what the Your clamshell. My clamshell does. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I thought and I okay. just wanted to get on the same page for there. Yeah. That's but um okay. the way that you remove the transmitter from the new G6 uh, sensors. So how I broke that and folded it down, that didn't used to be how you did it. They changed it to this as part of a way to prevent the restarts because they made it so you had to remove the transmitter, but you had to remove the sensor from the body so you could remove the transmitter. I do remember you talking about like you had that like secret little hint on how to restart the Right. So now... The people who actually succeed at, at restarting their G6, it, what they'll do is they'll basically wiggle a, a test strip in between the parts of the sensor that are holding the transmitter in, and then you can pop it out. And you can do that without breaking it. I've succeeded at this a couple of times. It is harder than it sounds. And also, it didn't really work for me to actually restart it, so I stopped trying to do it anymore. But this is my old transmitter, so I just throw it away. Sorry, Libre. We'll get back to you now. <laughs> We started off talking about costs and I started off that because the Libre is actually cheaper than the other options. One user reported that it's like $39 per sensor at Kroger or Walgreens. So that is actually really affordable. 
You can use it with your phone or with your reader. So you can read the sensor part two different ways. It's painless to insert. The adhesive between the skin and the device is really, really strong. But then there's different adhesive between the actual sticky patch that goes on the body and then the device itself. So you're basically sticking the transmitter part to the sensor part, and then you have the sensor part to the skin. So the adhesive between the sensor and the skin is strong, but the adhesive between the sensor and the transmitter is not that strong. We'll link to some review videos in the show notes that you can see what we're talking about here. But Woman in particular shows how the sensor kind of separates a little bit from the transmitter, and then it kind of feels a little bit less secure on the body. It's got a really, really small profile. It's about the size of two US quarters stacked on top of each other. And people say that they forget about it, which is kind of cool. I mean, I kind of forget that my Dexcom is on me sometimes. Their customer service is decent. You can also enter your carbs for each reading to track those alongside your number. So that's kind of cool. And then something that else that I found interesting is the receiver or reader for the Libre is also a blood glucose meter. So you can insert a test strip and then you can check your blood sugar on that meter and then it will add that reading to the rest of your graph. So that's kind of cool. This could be a pro or a con depending on your preference, but it does not make any noise. So for kids who don't want to be noticed, this is great. But if you're an adult or you're a kid who wants alerts for out-of-range numbers, it's not that great. And that's just for the Libre. The Libre 2 actually does have high and low alerts. So that's an improvement. This is the only sensor right now that lasts for 14 days. It doesn't require any calibration like the G6. And it's also really accurate, but that depends on who you are. So like with anything, your mileage may vary with any of these sensors. A slight con that was reported for this is that it's less accurate at higher numbers. So that's something to be careful of. And then one user said that the numbers tend to run 50 to 80 points higher than true. So that's probably just for that person's body, for their experience. So if this is something you can try out just to test it, then why not? All right. And then I've got some of the cons here for you guys. It's a flash glucose system, meaning you have to scan the sensor to get the data. It doesn't automatically read to a receiver. It's a pull system versus a push system, basically. So you have to pull the information out rather than having the information be pushed out to you. So there's no integration with pumps yet which is unfortunate, but you know, yet getting there, hopefully in the next couple of years, it may come off easily when exposed to water, meaning showers, baths, hot tubs, swimming pools, et cetera, et cetera. It can be wildly inaccurate at times. One user reports a difference between over a hundred points when it's too hot outside during the summer. So that might be another con too, is just might not do well in heat, meaning if you live in Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, Florida, Georgia, sorry, I'm looking at my map and trying to see where all the actual South states are, you might not see the greatest readings during the summertime. The Libre, not Libre 2, does not have high or low alerts. And this is a deal breaker for a lot of people. This would actually be a deal breaker for myself as well, because if I don't know, then I can't fix it. And what's the point if I have a sensor that's not going to tell me anything? You have to scan it at least once every eight hours. So you might lose some visibility to past data. And it only stores eight hours of data at a time, which is kind of unfortunate. You need to be very precise with how you place the reader or your phone to actually get the data from the sensor. Really, it's a finger prick replacement. It's not an actual CGM or Dexcom or Guardian. So general features and benefits. The Libre 2, which is, I think, currently being sold in Europe. I'm not sure if it's available in the US yet, but that has the high and the low alerts. So that is pros for that one. It's a really slim profile. So it's very, very easy to hide. You probably wouldn't even know that it's a sensor if you saw it on somebody. It's really a simple aesthetic. It might look like a nicotine patch, actually, because it's it's just so small. It has a 60-minute warm-up, so it's actually faster than the Dexcom. And it uses a metal filament instead of a needle to read the interstitial fluid. And this can be really accurate for some people, but inaccurate for others. So what's coming next with Libre is, well, more features for Libre 2. So those are coming. There's potential integrations with the Omnipod Horizon for the second half of 2021. 
So we talked about the Omnipod Horizon in episode 69 on the pumps. So that's the what's coming next for Omnipod. And then Libre is also looking into integration with Tandem. And they're currently doing uh, Libre 3 trials in Europe. So that's pretty cool. So the next one is the Sensonics Eversense. All right. So the overview for this one is the Eversense is an insertable sensor that goes under the skin, not on the skin or in the skin, underneath. It's approved for 90-day usage in the U.S., but 365-day usage in Europe. So Europe is slightly ahead of us in that department. Sensonics, I'm sorry if I'm saying that incorrectly, is currently pursuing FDA approval for 180 days in the U.S. So it's getting there. Yeah, we're kind of slow. This is a newer CGM, and it's not one that I knew about before I went to the JDRF Type 1 Nation Summit in November of last year, so 2019. And I got some pretty detailed information from someone on Facebook. So thank you. Thank you for that. And I'm just going to read basically what she said. So she says that the Eversense is the first implantable CGM technology. It has actually been around in Europe for about five years, but it came into use in the US in mid-2018. And the premise is that the sensor is inserted intramuscularly by intramuscularly. Wow, that word. The sensor is inserted intramuscularly by your endocrinologist in a short outpatient procedure. So the transmitter is fully waterproof. Uh, it's adhesive and removable. And then it's charged every day or two to keep sending data to your phone, which acts as a receiver. And I think they also have a secondary receiver, but I could could be wrong about that. So the sensor is about the size of two grains of rice, and it's usually implanted into your upper outer arm. The insertion procedure is super short, and it's relatively painless. And the scar is, is really tiny, and she says it's actually helpful for placing your transmitter. So that's, that's nice. I'm looking at pictures like of this right now online. It looks like even when you get it put in, for all the ladies out here who have the implant birth control, it looks like that scar is going to be even smaller Like if you get the Eversense inputted than you would have for your birth control. And I've had the Nexplanon implant, so <laughs> I don't know if I want to do the Eversense. Yeah, so it looks like okay. the Eversense little thing that goes into your arm is about the size of a penny, like the diameter of the penny. And then the transmitter looks to be about the size of like hat, uh, like a quarter of your phone size like that bottom left corner and then that transmitter bluetooth to your phone yeah so the transmitter is about half dollar size smooth dark gray and void of any logos so that's kind of a plus it adheres to your arm using the provided patch either white or clear the eversense app guides your transmitter placement to make sure that it's got the best signal possible for the sensor the transmitter's battery lasts at least 30 hours up to 48 hours depending on how often it has to alert you remove it to charge in a cradle kind of like your like how your phone might have a wireless cradle for it and a full charge only takes 10 minutes which is pretty pretty cool many people develop the routine of charging their transmitters when they're in the shower and therefore changing the adhesive as well The CGM itself uses a slightly different technique to sense blood sugar, and the app is pretty much the same as the Dexcom. So some of the pros, the transmitter actually vibrates on the body to alert for lows and highs, which is really useful for people with overnight hypo unawareness. So if you uh, wake up to vibrations, this is probably the the sensor for you. And the transmitter is rechargeable, like Jesse said. Right now, the sensor is approved for 90 days in the U.S., a year in the, U- in the European Union. So that's U.S. Catch up with that. Come on. For the people in the U.S., it's four insertions per year if there are no malfunctions. I don't know how often malfunctions occur. I hope it is not very often because that does not sound very fun. Uh, another pro is that if the transmitter gets knocked off your body or knocked off your arm, you don't lose the sensor with it. This is going kind of back to pump sites where if you pull out a pump site, you have to put in a new pump site. And if you knock off a sensor, you have to put on a new sensor. But with the Eversense, if you knock the transmitter off, you just slap the transmitter back on. You don't lose the sensor with it. So I think that is actually probably the biggest pro for me, besides it four insertions a year. And apparently the numbers are really accurate. The cons, 
probably the first one you, you can think of as our listener is that you need a doctor to insert it and remove it at 90 days if you're in the US and at a year if you're in the U European Union. Whenever since user told us how it's inserted, because she's currently part of the FDA trial and uh, multiple people have actually told me that they're not taking new patients into the trial, but you could still try it. Depending on when you listen to this episode, it might already be out. So a doctor will make a one and a half inch incision on the arm, use an expander to create a pocket, insert the sensor, and then cover the incision with a butterfly patch and tegaderm. And then to remove it, they use a special tweezer after cutting into the original insertion site. I think it might also need lidoc- lidocaine to insert, which I am not a fan of. Lidocaine kind of burns when you use it as a painkiller. So that might be a big con if you don't want to have injectable painkillers. I hate, I hate lidocaine. Another thing is that it also has a 24-hour warm-up. And then you need to do four calibrations, minimum two hours apart. Then you need to do two calibrations a day. Otherwise, it goes back to that initial startup phase. So this actually might be the worst con of all. I would not want to deal with that. I am impressed with everybody who's doing this. But I guess once you get into a routine, then it doesn't really like affect you that much. But going from no calibrations to having to calibrate like that, I would not want to do that. This doesn't seem like a thing for kids. Like no, younger. no. Absolutely not. Like, And I'm saying this and I'm an AP student who has a routine like 100% and I don't want to do this. Like, Well, considering it's like an outpatient procedure that you need to have it inserted by a doctor, I wouldn't think that they're marketing this to children at all. This is probably 100% adults. Yeah. So if you do have this, great. But like anybody younger, I don't know, even in college, I, I don't think I'd want this very much. No, probably not. Maybe when you're, you know, you have a job and you're stable and your routine and stuff like that. And I think another con here is that you have to charge the transmitter at least once a day. But again, I mean, shower routine, that's probably pretty good. Oh, and then there's another con here is that if you have to put the transmitter over the same spot, that could probably cause some skin irritation with the adhesive if you're, especially if you're allergic to the adhesive. But at least it's not like injecting or inserting the metal filaments that we've seen with like the Guardian and the Dexcom so that you're not actually putting a wound underneath that spot. You're just putting the adhesive patch. Yeah, that's true. I just, I worry about like, you know, people with eczema or something like that where they'd have to either take it on and put it back on every single day in that same spot. And I've done that on accident before with my sensor one time and it was... It wasn't rashy, but it was definitely really tender there for a while. So it just seems like it would cause problems. Yeah. I mean, you guys have basically heard all of the features and benefits by us going through the pros and the cons and from the people from Facebook. But what's coming next for, for Sensonics is that they're pursuing approval in both Europe and the US. That doesn't sound right. So I think they're already approved for a year in EU, although it could be 180 days. At least one user has it a year in the EU. Anyway, so they're really pushing for approval in the US for 180 days. And then next up after that would be a year in the US. And hopefully that happens. So that is the three major manufacturers and the relatively new one that we talked about. So the Diabetes Spotlight this week is on the Diabetes Research Institute Foundation Canada because they are working on developing a cure. So I'm just going to go to their website and read some stuff off of their page because it's pretty interesting. And we'll link to this in the show notes. So they have like the the main doctor there. His name is Dr. James Shapiro. And he maintains an active research and development lab in Alberta. He is in charge of the clinical islet transplant program. And he's done over 600 transplants, which is more than any other islet program in the world. He and his team have many clinical trials, including human trials. Uh, You may have heard recently in the news about a Canadian firm had some kind of breakthrough for a cure to diabetes and that they just needed funding. I think this is it. So he collaborates with researchers around the world, including with the San Diego-based regenerative medicine company, which is Viasite. And we've talked about Viasite before in a previous spotlight. I just can't remember which one it is. But they do stem cell transplants. So on their website, they have three different trials listed right now. One of them is it's the Plerixifor trial, and that's to reset the immune system and mobilize your own stem cells using a combination of medications. 
Then there's the Viasite trial, which is to improve insulin production by implanting a type of stem cells into a device under the skin. So I remember talking about that uh, several months ago for one of the spotlights. And then the third one is the Polytreg trial, and that's to improve islet transplant outcomes with the infusion of your own Treg cells, which is a type of blood cells that help regulate your immune system. So all of these clinical trials right now sound awesome. And they actually have a call for participating in human trials. And that one, you qualify if you're between 12 and 45 years old, and you have been diagnosed with type 1 within the last six months. So Jesse and I do not qualify because we've lived with this for a long time. But if you meet either of those criteria and you're interested in human trials, you can find all this information in the show notes. That all being said, Jesse, what is our question for the audience? All right. Our question for you guys this week is, what CGM or flash glucose monitor do you use? If you've used multiple, which one's your favorite? Let us know in the comments or send us an email. We'd love to hear from you because I haven't tried any of these and I'd love to hear feedback about other ones just in case I decide to switch. Actually, a lot of the... No, I wouldn't say a lot, but some of the feedback I got on Facebook was from people who wore both the Libre and the Eversense. So they were able to give me feedback on both of them at the same time. So that was kind of cool. So if you're somebody who's used two of these sensors at the same time, please let us know what you think your favorite was, what the differences were, all of that. We'd love to know. And that is it for this episode of This is Type 1. You can find the show notes at inspiredforward.com slash episode 71. That's the number 71. And if you're interested in being a guest on the show, you can fill out the form on our podcast page at thisistype1.com. Our music is by Joseph McDade. And I have a free Facebook group where I coach people for free in the comments and I go live on most Saturdays. You can join Life and Mindset Coaching by visiting the link in the show notes. I'm on all social media as at Inspired Forward. You can find me on DMP, which is Diabetes Management Platform, as at Colleen Mitchell with a space. And our email is Colleen at InspiredForward.com. And I'm on Instagram as at JJ underscore Crystal K-A-T. Please feel free to send me questions or comments you have about type 1 diabetes or about the show. If you do reach out on Instagram, make sure you let me know you're a listener and let me know your favorite segment. Thank you so much for joining us. Be sure to listen next week when we review our 2020 diabetes goals. Remember those? Oh, I'm already thinking about how much I've failed already. And we're going to set new ones for 2021. Remember, you control your diabetes. It doesn't control you. Hey, if you like what you're listening to on this podcast, you have to join us in the Half Dead Pancreas Club. It's my private community where you'll connect face-to-face with other people with type 1 diabetes, get personalized emotional support, and learn how to handle anything T1D throws at you. Join us over at inspiredforward.com community. I can't wait to see you there.